0: Previously on the Main Street Chronicles Our travelers have now gotten stuck in the music thanks to a little Disney magic and a wonderful piece created by the Sherman Brothers who were responsible for many of the songs that you know and love today from your favorite attractions to your favorite movies. Did you know there was also another famous lyricist working for the studio? Tune in next to find out which Imagineering legend we will discover today.
1: Hey Perry, I just got this text message from my friend Walt, and he said we should come and check out this new Disney museum. Do you want to go?
2: Let's do it. Wow, what is this place?
1: The Museum of Imagination? Or at least that's what the construction sign says. Let's go check it out.
2: Um, excuse me, but this is a construction site. We won't be open for a few months.
1: But you see, I got this text message from my friend Walt saying we should come here and meet his new friend, Archimedes.
2: Oh, uh, hang on just a second. Archimedes, come in. Hello, John, what can I do for you? Um, sir, we have a few unexpected visitors saying that they are friends of Walt. What would you like for me to do with them?
0: Send them in, John. I'm outside of the Exotensio Wing. Walt and Sam have gotten lost in the music of the Sherman Brothers.
2: Tell our new friends to follow their noses. Roger that. Well, welcome to the Museum of Imagination. As you enter the museum, you'll want to go to the Hall of Imagineering. From there, you'll work your way down, and once you start to smell something, you'll know you're in the right place. If you're fans of Disney parks, you'll know it when you smell it.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Yes, ma'am. Those sure were strange directions.
1: Oh, who cares? Let's go! Oh my goodness. Okay, this is amazing.
2: All of my favorites are here. Marty Sklar,
1: Tony Baxter,
2: John Hench.
1: Roger Brogy, Claude Coates, the Sherman Brothers. It's a small world after all. Ooh, Mark Davis. Hey,
2: what's that smell?
1: I smell it too. We must be getting close.
2: Oh
0: hello there! My name is Archimedes, and welcome to the Hall of Imagineering. And you are?
1: Oh, I'm Shantae, and this is my friend Perry. We are both huge Disney fans, so my friend Walt said we should come and check this place out. Where is he? Oh, he and Sam
0: are quite lost in the music of the Sherman Brothers at the moment, but not to worry. I am sure that they will catch up soon. Would you like to see some of the wings that are almost complete? Absolutely, but what is this place? Well, this is the Hall of Imagineering inside of the Museum of Imagination. And in this part of the museum, we are exploring the world of Walt Disney Imagineering and
2: showcasing some of their legendary Imagineers. This is absolutely amazing. Let's get started. But what is that smell? It smells familiar, but well, I would hope that you both would know what that
0: is since you are Disney fans.
2: <laughs> no way. You have pirate water! Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh. oh no, it's just a smell, it's a
2: pumping the scent into the room. What do you think? Oh, I love it. But why are we smelling pirate water if we aren't going to ride the attraction?
0: Well, my boy,
2: let me introduce you to Francis Xavier
0: Atencio, or X as he came to be known as.
1: Ax Atencio? I have never heard of him before
0: x was the scriptwriter for pirates of the caribbean he also wrote yo ho as well
1: a skull and crossbones and a treasure map with a large x on it
0: x is actually the voice of the skull and crossbones inside of the attraction press the x to learn more about how x helped develop
2: pirates of the caribbean well x marks the spot i guess
3: x worked in the story department, mostly as a sketch artist, but one day Walt called upon him and asked him to write a script for a pirate ride, something he had never done before. Agreeing to try it for Walt, X put on his pirate hat, dug out a bunch of pirate books, and watched Treasure Island, trying to get the feel of pirate jargon. To set the mood for a show like this, you had to sort of become a pirate yourself, X said in an interview once, adding, I think my Spanish background helped me write the exchanges between the pirate captain and the defenders of the fort.
0: In addition to Walt's own 1950 live action classic, a number of other classic pirate films influenced X's script, as well as some of the sets and scenes in the attraction. The cinematic influence was no accident. John Hench noted that Imagineers try to use the material that is already in films because of its familiarity. He said it helps a great deal to have something they already know, something we know they already love. One of the most distinct characteristics about movie pirates is their unique and often heavily accented speech pattern, along with their misuse of language. Such filmic touchstones would guide X as he helped bring Mark Davis's characters to life and enhance his sight gags through spoken word. Working for Mark's storyboards and treatments, as well as a detailed scale model of the entire attraction, X plunged headfirst into this strange new world of beggars and ne'er-do-wells, choosing to script first one of the most dialogue-heavy scenes in the entire show. The first scene he did was the auction scene. He went through the model and figured out what these guys would be saying. When he was done, he took it over to Walt and Walt said fine, go ahead and keep going. X loosened up after that and went with it. X couldn't have chosen a better scene for his writing debut, considering it's questionable basic concept, innocent women getting bound up and sold off to the highest bidder. It doesn't take much to figure out what the pirates are actually doing in the scene, but X tried to soften the impact as much as he could through the dialogue, and in this case, a very clear signal, literally, a sign. X said we made a big banner reading, auction, take a wench for a bride at the auction scene to get the point across that these guys weren't taking advantage of the ladies, they were auctioning them off to be brides.
3: Walt was a little hesitant about the content in this scene, even asking if it would be alright. He was just a little doubtful of auctioning off the girls. Was that quite Disney or not? The Imagineers added some other signs around that built up the auction scene as though it was a very special and big event. Mark had done some drawings of the other girls who were tied up and shivering. John Hench once said, The way the girls were represented, it's not an offensive scene at all. But it probably could have been if it hadn't been handled in an interesting way. X did that with his scripting. Even still, Mark Davis and Walt were both concerned about how guests would react to some of the pirate's more lustful, drunken, and violent behavior. It was X who convinced him that a rousing sea shanty, along with his playful script, might be a good way to help soften up these hardened criminals. X also felt that a song would create a sense of continuity for the show. The novice songwriter's approach was simple. He said, I just came up with some dialogue that the pirates might have said, and set it to music. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. That was a big part of the inspiration, that classic phrase. Now, the pirates weren't viewed as aggressively, they were just a bunch of fun-loving pirates. Although X had confidence in his musical brainstorm, He never expected to be the one to actually write the number. X recounted the story about landing the songwriting position for pirates like this. I had an idea for the lyrics and kind of a little melody for a song for the ride, but I thought Walt would probably go with the Sherman Brothers to do it. So after one meeting I said, I've got a little idea for a song for the pirate ride, Walt. He said, Let's hear it. I half recited and half sang it and he said, Hey, that's great. Get George Bruns to do the music. That was X's first attempt at writing lyrics, and that's how he became a songwriter. Yoho helped the Imagineers turn their band of bloodthirsty bandits into more family-friendly rap scallions, just out to have a little innocent fun.
0: The Imagineers had this original concept for the attraction, but given the historical context and the stereotype of what a pirate may have been, they needed to find a way to make it more family-friendly. Without the light touches back then from X, the attraction
3: may never have gotten off the ground. Absolutely. It was a risky move by Disney to have the scene included in the first place. But having X on board there with his script writing to make the whole thing tie together really helped it to function in the way that it was a fun scene that people to this day still miss at this point. Another interesting piece about X and his work on Pirates of the Caribbean was his script writing. The song Yo-Ho, he wasn't even expecting to get the role. At this point, the Sherman brothers were juggernauts and Walt's go-to boys for everything that came to songwriting. And X just had a rough idea that he threw out to Walt and Walt loved the idea and said, "Okay, X, you go write it, make it happen. And X was confident enough in himself to get it done. Believe it or not, Yo-Ho, the song that he wrote for Pirates, was his first time writing anything, not just anything for Disney, but anything in general.
0: We've talked about it throughout the season and. It's Walt's ability to find something in an individual and say, you know what, you're gonna be good at this. And this is just another classic example, and we're gonna continue to see that throughout the rest of the season, that Walt saw something in people and said, I believe in you, you can do this. I think this is the epitome of that because he literally is taking something he's never done before ever and going and excelling in that medium.
1: Wow, I definitely can't see Pirates of the Caribbean without Yoho. I don't think the attraction would have survived this long without it. What in the? Oh,
0: that is just our resident raven. Don't mind him.
1: Um, Archimedes, ravens are a sign of death. I'm not so sure that's a good thing to have as a resident here. <laughs>
0: Oh, my dear, don't be alarmed. It is an audio animatronic from the Haunted Mansion. You see, this was something that X helped conceptualize. If you put a little bird seed in his mouth, maybe you'll hear X's involvement with the mansion. The success of Pirates of the Caribbean had a major influence on the Haunted Mansion's direction. From Dick Irvine's reunion of Mark Davis and Claude Coates to making it a ride through attraction, but one more key element would not have existed without Pirates, a memorable theme song. X took the same approach to Mansion as he did on Pirates, writing the lighthearted lyrics to Grim Grinning Ghosts, alternatively titled The Screaming Song, which were then set to music by veteran studio composer Buddy Baker. X had a huge job writing the song for this attraction. Not only would Grim Grinning Ghosts provide a musical backdrop for the Haunted Mansion's grand finale, finale. Alley in the graveyard, but different arrangements of the piece were used throughout the experience. From its first appearance as a funeral lament in the foyer, to an elegant waltz in the grand hall, to a jazzy jamboree in the graveyard, Grim Grinning Ghosts help set the scene and manipulate the listeners feelings each time it's heard. In order to make the graveyard scene a true showstopper, X and Buddy did everything they could to give those musical cues an even more otherworldly quality, including detuning the instruments and recording the music backward, and combining it all in the final mix.
3: Showwriter Exitencio's main task after joining the team was to take Mark Davis's humorous characters and vignettes, Claude Coates' sinister settings, and Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie's haunting illusions and special effects and combine them in a way that made sense. They tried at the beginning at having a raven be the ghost host that would take you through, but it didn't work. The raven's small size made it difficult to stage amongst all the elaborate sets and eye-popping special effects. He kept getting lost in the chaos. X decided to drop him in favor of a disembodied ghost host who had appeared in a number of different treatments over the years. X then took the scenes on which Mark and Claude were collaborating and arranged them logically in terms of the mansion's physical layout and the experience's overall emotional construction, almost by default, X returned to Walt's original concept of a retirement home in which displaced spirits could spend their afterlives happily haunting any unsuspecting guest who came calling. X explained that the main reason for resorting back to the original concept was the sign that had been sitting outside for six years and stated that they had been out gathering ghosts for all that time. And so, in one final ironic twist of fate, one of the Haunted Mansion's numerous delays had backed X into a makeshift storyline. This was all in reference to Marty Scholar's sign inviting all ghosts and restless spirits to enjoy active retirement in these happy, haunting grounds, had pre-sold Disneyland guests on the story, so that was what X decided to give them. When working on The Haunted Mansion, there were so many unique concepts surrounding the project that there needed to be a catalyst to help tie them all together. X was the one that was looked to from his success with Pirates of the Caribbean to provide that continuity.
0: The Haunted Mansion, much like Pirates of the Caribbean, was an original idea, and on top of that, it had a very non-Disney theme. X's use of a lighthearted tune really helped turn this dark concept into a Disney classic that is probably one of the strongest fan followings of
3: any Disney attraction around the world. I really think this is storytelling at its best. It's easy to have an IP related attraction where people get on it and immediately recognize characters that they've seen in the movies or TV shows or something like that. What they did with Pirates and here with Haunted Mansion was create a completely new experience and create new characters that people have to be able to immediately latch onto without any prior knowledge of them. And they executed this perfectly with these two attractions in the sense that they're the classic attractions that are in just about every disney park around the world
0: i think you're exactly right i mean we already said back when we talked about pirates that they used what they knew people loved they knew people loved pirate movies and people also back during this time and they enjoyed those b-roll haunted films and in monster films so why not take those two concepts and try to make them a disney concept and utilize what they're good at in their storytelling but then also give the fans and the guests something unique but in a disney way
1: wow there are just so many legends that worked on the original haunted mansion it's so amazing that they were all able to work together even with very different ideas and create something that has been a classic for 50 years That was something that Walt was very good
0: at. Putting people in a position to work well and create amazing things.
2: Whoa, check this out. It's massive. I'm not sure what it is, but it sure looks cool.
0: That is the Mighty Microscope from the Adventures Through Inner Space. X actually wrote the story for this attraction at the same time as he was working on the Haunted Mansion. X described to Walt the concept of a ride featuring a visual effect that will give the guests the sensation of being reduced to the size of an atom.
2: Press the button to see what happens. Hey, what's happening to
3: us? We're, we're, we're
2: shrinking! Archimedes.
1: Shh, I'm trying to listen.
3: The idea of the attraction goes back as far as 1957, when Walt Disney introduced a concept for an atomic-themed exhibit in Tomorrowland on the Disneyland television show episode, Our Friend the Atom. Plans for the attraction were put on hold for the 1964 New York World's Fair. After the successes of the fair, the atomic-themed attraction was given the green light for the new Tomorrowland project. It would stand where the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea exhibit and Monsanto's Hall of Chemistry building stood. The idea was known at the time as Magic Microscope, and later changed to the more serious-minded Mighty Microscope. This imagined device was seemingly designed over a lunch hour by Imagineer George McGinnis, dashing out a concept in a napkin sketch. X then took the design to the model shop to begin construction. That's the way things worked at WED, McGinnis would later say. You're always thinking and sharing the lunch tables with wonderful people.
0: X recalled that it was a challenge balancing the edutainment aspect of the attraction. They wanted it to be scientifically accurate, but also engaging and not so technical that it couldn't be enjoyed by park goers. X commented on the final product saying, the feeling of going through the microscope and seeing the things getting smaller and smaller as you go through there, we had to use some keen illusions. It turned out to be a psychedelic effect for some. And then to get that shrinking feeling and finally at the end to have that giant eyeball looking down at you, it was a good illusion. I remember a letter that I had received from a teacher who wrote to tell us how much she had enjoyed the ride and its accuracy. It was a keen way of explaining to her students how a molecule works. This attraction is a fantastic example of Walt's desire to not only bring the family together for a day of fun, but to also educate them on topics that they never may have expressed a desire to learn.
3: This concept is now considered edutainment this idea of edutainment can be something that's really hard to do because people are coming to a theme park and they're really expecting to be entertained first they aren't coming there to necessarily learn something so being able to blend the two to where guests are entertained and they're having a good time so much so that they don't even realize that they're learning something is a really difficult task and x was kind of became the early master of this with his script writing
0: Ultimately, I think this attraction is really what helped lead Walt down the path for what he wanted for Epcot. And after his passing, I really think that the Imagineers, Marty Scalar and John Hench and Exotencio, with his work in Epcot, that I really think that this attraction and this form of edutainment really helped set the foundation for what we would go to see in the original Epcot Center.
2: Well, Archimedes, can you get us back to normal size, please? Phew, thank you. Did you think I was going to leave you as a little person? I am not quite sure just what's going on yet.
0: Oh my boy, you just have to give in to the Disney magic and go wherever it takes you.
1: Okay, that was amazing. I am a huge science nerd and I just got to travel into an atom. Like, whoa. I really don't want this journey to end. Oh, good.
0: So you must be ready for another adventure. So we decided to choose X as an Imagineering legend because he represents blank to us. Stokes, what word did you use to describe X?
3: So the word that I chose for X is versatile. And this is a word that you could really apply to any of these early Imagineers, any of the ones that came from the Disney studio to work in the theme parks but I think it specifically with X holds a heavier weight because X was the one that was working as an artist at the studio and came into the theme park realm and really did something that had nothing to do with art. He became a script writer. So I think like his versatility there and his willingness to try something new is something that can be admired. That's a great point. Like you said, most of
0: the original Imagineers, they used their strengths to their advantages. While X was being asked to find a new strength, So I think you've found a perfect word to identify X. The word that I chose was lyrical. As we've mentioned throughout this episode, classic attractions that we know and love today wouldn't exist as we know them without X's words. Without them, we wouldn't have Yo-Ho or Grim Grinning Ghosts. Much like the Sherman Brothers and how you can immediately identify their songs by their lyrics, X is the exact same. He has a unique touch and tone that is uniquely X. And
3: the ability to write these scripts for these attractions is something that is really impressive for anybody to do but again like we mentioned earlier for someone that had never done this before is extremely impressive in this case you have guests that are going through these scenes only for a couple of seconds at a time and the script is there to help provide a full experience for everybody and really help transport them into the action and x was doing that masterfully with these scripts that he was writing You've been listening to the Main Street Chronicles, part of the Imagination Radio Network and a BRS production.